everybody. This is the brand new podcast that we're calling... What are we calling it, uh, Jared? Uh, the greatest Star Wars podcast in the world. Episode one. Because we already know. Like, we've been in the future. Like, at this point, if you're listening to this, the podcast is already done. And we already know it's the greatest podcast ever. It's the greatest Star Wars. I, I apologize. I apologize. There are better podcasts out there. But not Star Wars podcast. Well... Okay, I, I'm going to admit something. There may be two other podcasts that are better than ours. But they have different names, and we took the greatest podcast in the, the greatest Star Wars <laughs> podcast in the world. So I'm sorry, uh, Rebel Girl Podcast, and now this is podcasting. Uh, you should have named your podcast the greatest Star Wars podcast in the world. We have now done that. I mean, Jared, we're the smartest two guys on the planet, aren't we? <laughs> I feel like, it, at the very least, we're the most humble guys on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, Humility is my middle name. Or Anton. Are they, okay, Anton is my middle name. Humility. It's somewhere in there. I'm telling you, man. My, my mom told me that when I was very young. She said, you are so handsome and humble. Uh, and then she <laughs> said, and is that all I should read from the script that you gave me? Uh, I said, yeah, mom. Yeah, mom. Yeah, that's all I needed to hear. I was two. And I knew at that time I needed to hear these things. That, you know, You're already was, coaching her? Oh, yeah, man. You got it. I mean, my mom wouldn't say anything nice about me if I didn't beg her to or pay her. So, oh, oh, uh, I am Magnus, a.k.a. Geek Furious, and you are? I am Jared Jones, a.k.a. Joaquin Slowly. Oh, are these our Twitter names? They are. I should mention that because people are, like, Facebooking right now. Oh, I just got to know who these guys are, and I'm not on Facebook anymore. I mean, I have a Facebook account, but I'm done with Facebook, man. You Facebook? I am not on Facebook. Everyone who I know who's on Facebook, except for my parents, hates it and has yeah. told me not to sign up for it. Yeah, my parents love Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think I, that's a problem. I, I get that they like to use it to connect, and I, appreci I appreciate that, but I have zero interest in it based on your you know, testimony is exactly like, like yours. <laughs> like, you're, you're over it. Johnny, Johnny Grasso says, I'm over it. Every, everyone yeah. who's on it pretty much universally seems to dislike it or resent it <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's an I, older person's game really because they like to connect i understand that like you know families want to connect and oh yeah split apart and all that so yeah but that is great for that but otherwise no one of my brothers is the only person i know who uses it like, like uh you know offline that, that i know he uses it a lot and he, he seems to hate it like he uses it to argue, get in arguments with people <laughs> about you know political shit that but with people who he knows are never going to change their minds, just, it doesn't. It, I don't know. I guess it's it's more important stuff than uh than Star Wars. But I feel like that's... no, 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 no. I don't. I don't agree with that. And one of the things <laughs> that I always rage against. I'm great, glad you even put that up. You know, when people go, it's just entertainment, man. It's just movies. It's just sport. You know, it doesn't. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. No, nothing matters more in the entire world than whatever happiness you can derive from it and because there's so many people who are miserable out there because their lives suck and the ability to feel some pleasure is the most important thing in the world if your entire thing is about getting married and having kids and all that like if that brings you happiness great but not everyone feels that way not everyone needs just that or that at all no that's true i, I think that, that that's uh i don't think of it in that those terms all the time but you know it's i've rejoined the star wars fandom over the, over the last year and really embraced it and you see the kind of like outreach 
that yeah that you know uh, Jason started from from making Star Wars and now this is podcasting over uh, you know, our friend Noah and, and his you know personal tragedy and just the yeah. kind of the kind of response it's like yeah it is a fandom and it is over something that some people might think is trivial you know who, who aren't thinking of it in I think greater terms you know as far as its personal meaning for people but it you know it's just it's created a community that like I'm really proud to be a part of I've been a part of fandom my entire life and. There isn't anything like that. It, you know, I was part of the largest uh, Batman forum. I moderated the comic book resources Batman forum for a while, uh, right around the time that DC reset their continuity and that the last Nolan movie came out. So it was really just oh, people who were, fun. yeah, people hated everything and, and disagreed yeah. on everything. And and there were great people there that were, were really positive, but they were drowned out by the negativity and and usually the negativity is like the minority like even the tiniest minority is the negativity but they're so loud i I feel like in star wars because it is outnumbered people people don't let them have the final say you know we we, we, people who are very at the very least willing to accept differing opinions and say you know if I, i if someone doesn't like the prequels but still say it's valid for other people to appreciate them, <laughs> like, like not not completely dismissive of other people's opinions. I feel like and that's those... always the. But there's also like a flip side to that, where because there's been this ridiculously long negativity, like there's no fandom like this, where for 16 oh, yeah. years they've been complaining about the same thing, and they're wrong about what they're complaining about. Like <laughs> there's an, there's opinions, and then there is made up fact and now for 16 years they've been running around with bacteria and midichlorians and that it somehow becomes an infection and like this is so stupid like these are the kinds of things that people say or they say well midichlorians like here's the logic bomb for every person who hates midichlorians you say midichlorians demystified the force yet the guy with the most of them is denied training the fact that they rejected the guy with the most amount of midichlorians means that they have so many options like with these kids that they could be training that they can reject the one with the highest midichlorian count you know we're very selective we're so selective that it would be like if somebody came to harvard and they had the highest uh, test scores he had the highest iq and they were like nah he's uh he's 19 we only take him at 18. no thanks hey, we're, we're good <laughs> yeah, no thanks no, we don't just, bend the rules <laughs> sorry you gotta go so that in itself, if it was only about midichlorian count, if it was only about IQ score, if it was only about test scores, then you would have an argument. But in the movie itself, it shows you it is not. Qui-Gon has to die for them to agree to, to <laughs> fucking train this kid. These kind of fandoms can explode over anything. And Star Wars just became so part of the collective consciousness of people who are like my age, you know, people who were born in the 70s. That and even in the 80s, like I would say, yeah. like Jason Ward, you know, from um, no, this is podcasting, I believe, is around. I, he, it sounds like he was born like around 79 or 80 or something like that. Kids who were like at least old enough, or adults now who are old enough to remember Return of the Jedi, like in yeah, theaters. no, and I, I, while I have no no memory of it in theaters because it was literally the first movie I saw in theaters, yeah. and I was far too far too little to have memories of it. Yeah. I can't. Is I can't separate those originals, you know, from my mind. But but, I feel like because of the age range that you know, Jason's a couple years older than me, Jason and Randy. But I think I think our age range where we did get to see 
that stuff uh, when it first ran and got to see the you know the prequels while we were still teenagers yeah. i think we were able to kind of let it go a little bit more than those guys who are you know five to ten years older than us there are guys like me lots of guys i'm friends with them who are in their late 30s early 40s or even late 40s who love the prequels who but they just don't they're like they're not so married to the uh, the memory of the original trilogy or I would also say that they grew up I don't want to say more adult but they grew up maybe that's what I'm trying to say that they realized they accepted they're reasonable people they go look I was a kid those movies if I look at them objectively now Empire yes Empire is darker and more adult but a new hope and return of the Jedi have some major flaws Oh, they're 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 great for what they are, but none of none of them are perfect films. Like, well, Empire's pretty close. Though. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty close to nailing. Oh no, it, I think it does. Yeah, yeah, and it does. It, it's the best, maybe, of what it's supposed to be of all of them. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, and and I think that I think the Revenge of the Sith is for me maybe the next most successful <laughs> in a lot of in a lot of ways. And for a lot of people, and even people who I know who hate the who say they hate the prequels. They'll be like, well, okay, Revenge of the Sith, uh, I like that one. But... Oh, yeah. And all the people who I saw, you know, the prequels, the, you know, I, all these friends who I saw Phantom Menace with when it came out, who now don't like it as much, you yeah. know, they, they can still admit that, uh, my friend Adam can still admit that uh, the pod race scene was fun, was a blast to see in the theater, and that yeah. he cheered when he saw it. And, and these people saw it like, Two times in the theater, three times in the theater, who aren't big Star Wars fans, and then they, but they remember it as awful because the popular consensus yeah. is that Jar Jar ruined Star Wars, and and it's all it's ever present. I think that it's more of something from the outside of the fandom looking in at this point. They're still it's they're still there, but it's because it's so it was so popular. I mean, our generations, you know, it's all it, it was the thing that every kid had seen and every kid you know. The kids who didn't, weren't allowed to see anything and, and were, you know, with the super protective parents mm -hmm. still still saw Star Wars. Yeah, you bring up Phantom Menace. When I went to see Phantom Menace, I saw it with a bunch of people, and we went uh, at the, in 1999. They ran, uh, in, I don't know, everywhere, but at least in New York, they ran 24-hour cycle of Phantom Menace. So they ran it from, you know, 6 in the morning to 6 in the morning. And they did it for a week. So me and my friends went, or we went to the bar at night and then we would go see Phantom Menace at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning and shit like that. And yeah. we did that for an entire week. So in that first week we saw Phantom Menace four or five times I can't remember exactly right. On the first day we went to like the midnight showing. It was the first midnight showing that we'd ever done or that maybe that had ever been done. Then we went to the 8 in the morning showing. Then we went to the noon. Then we went to the 8 at night. Then we went to the midnight again. And then the next for the next six days we went every day you know, at three in the morning, and then sometimes we went at six again. So I saw it, I think, 17 times that first week. And none of us were like, oh, this is a bad movie. We were like, what? What are people talking about? This is fun, man. And we all enjoyed it. And then it was actually Attack of the Clones that switched a lot of opinions. Like, we went to see that, and we walked out, and almost every single person that I had gone to see Phantom Menace with was like, what the hell was that? And... Almost all of them hated Attack of the Clones. Like, hated oh, yeah. and, and And I think that my friend's opinions that I saw Attack of the Clones with, a couple of which overlap with people I saw Phantom Menace with the, the first few times, 
uh, and saw it with in theater, they I didn't feel as negative, but they were still overall disappointed. Like we we the first things we talked about, I remember when it was over, were how we all enjoyed the Yoda fight, and every one of us were laughing at the the gladiator scene, you know, you know the arena scene. Oh, some when, of that is hilarious. When they when they <laughs> when they rip the uh, the perfectly ripped bare midriff. <laughs> It's like, oh, well, it was a tearaway jumpsuit, oh, <laughs> you know, for right, like yeah. for Padme's like second stripper career. It's like, what, yeah. what that, what the hell? And it was totally unnecessary pandering, and and it makes you realize, you know, the slave Leia stuff. I've I've heard such varied opinions on it, and heard people make such good cases for it. I don't really have a strong opinion. I've never had the same attachment other people have had to the slave Leia outfit. But yeah, there's some some cheesecake stuff thrown in there, and part of it is that it's all done in that. 40 serial style, you know, where they do yeah. women, you know, in uh, fur bikinis and whatnot. And I think, I think that whole, uh, I mean, I'm a, a pretty radical feminist and I always have been. I, I grew up in Iceland. I don't know. We just don't have the same, like feminism, I think that someone who grows up around it isn't the same as people who have acquired it over time. And I think that there's this overreaction to the sexualization of women that, a feminist who was born around strong women his entire life and grew up with them and was raised by them doesn't feel. That's not my problem. I don't have a problem with over-sexualization of women. I have a problem with not giving women opportunity to have anything but that. And a woman should be able to make whatever choice she wants. The difference here is, in the 80s, people didn't have that mindset. No, and, and I think that you look at someone like George Lucas's character and, and what he's done in his life, or, or anti-feminist or racist you know, accusations levied at Star Wars, I think are preposterous, yeah. because it's entirely Especially the a, pro- ones in Phantom a product Menace. of their time. Especially oh, yeah. the stuff in Phantom Menace, which is not racist. You bring that racism with you, buddy. You brought that into the theater, the thing that Jar Jar sounded racist or the... Oh. It's like a Key and Peele sketch I just just recently uh, watched, where they they're talking they're talking to a guy who is like uh, explaining how racist King Kong is, but it's just he's just revealing his own racism. The more and more he starts explaining it to them, and they're just like, "We did not come into this situation thinking King Kong was racist at exactly. all." Exactly. If you bring you, that, you made that. It's like Luke going into the cave. It's what you bring with you. That is exactly <laughs> what you're doing when you call Jar Jar a racist or anything like that. But the reason that we had wanted to do this podcast is uh, I was listening to, well, I I think I said, you know, I listened to, no, this is podcasting, and I listened to Rebel Girl um, from MakingStarWars.net. Right. And, they, and also uh, Jonah Marie from uh, Wookiee Gunner has talked a lot about her love for Rex and Ahsoka from Clone Wars. And I had never watched... I had seen, like, parts of Season 1, and I had actually seen parts of Season 5, but I had never watched all of the Clone Wars together. And so that's why we decided to do this podcast, because I finally went and watched the Clone Wars, having seen Rebels before. And this that's an interesting thing. It's like I have cousins who saw the prequels first and then saw the original trilogy. Yeah, and the prequels to them are Star Wars. They do not, and I'm, they are younger cousins. They're like in their twenties, and so I've seen uh, how people perceive Star Wars uh, very differently over the years. That maybe some people, whose only friends they have who like Star Wars, or only family, are around their same age, only saw uh, or saw the original trilogy, loved it, then saw the prequels. They all decided as a collective that they hated it. 
if if there's a cut right now in the podcast where all of a sudden uh, there's not as much noise in the background as before, it's because Jared moved. So what was I saying? Oh yeah, so you know these varied opinions about what is Star Wars to people. Uh, like my cousin has these kids who are six and eight. Yeah. And they've never even seen the movies. All they've seen is Clone Wars and Rebels. And to them, now this is a really interesting part of it. To them, Rebels is Star Wars, Clone Wars is not. They're kind of like, ah, whatever. Because to them, Clone Wars represents the old Star Wars, and Rebels represents new Star Wars, like their Star Wars. This is a very interesting idea behind that, that they're like, no, 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 our ownership of Star Wars is Rebels, not Clone Wars. Clone Wars is old people stuff. That is interesting. My uh, my niece and nephew started, I think, with Rebels, and then and they'd been exposed. They'd seen the, the movies before, but were never really into them. But I, leading up to to Rebels last year when uh, when Clone Wars came to Netflix, I ended up kind of just shotgunning it. Uh, I was working part time at the very beginning of the summer uh, as as a nanny and part time as a comics production assistant, and I had a little period of time. In between uh, both both jobs, where I was free every afternoon, and I would watch it, and I'd watch it before I went to sleep, and I just kind of shotgun through it over the summer. And but I don't think I started watching it with them and my brother until after they started Rebels, and uh, they they don't have that same distinction. They they see them both as cartoons. Maybe it's because their dad had exposed them to the movies first. That's why I wanted to do this podcast was because. Uh... You know, my favorite podcasters were talking about Clone Wars, and especially uh, Rebel Girls, who were talking about... Oh, I shouldn't say Rebel Girls. The name of the podcast is Rebel Girl. Tracy and Amanda, who I think have... I mean, they've only done six episodes, but I love their podcast because it's such a different perspective on... Um, and I don't say that because they're they're women. No, I felt I feel the same way. My my uh, my review hasn't posted. I, I'm thinking of re- trying to resubmit it because it, yeah. I know it, it always takes a while, but it still hasn't posted. But everyone is not everyone. But most people have mentioned, you know, it's so nice to see a woman's perspective. But there there are a lot of you Tons know of women w- w- perspectives already out there. Y- yeah, th- there are all women perspectives. That, yeah. You know that have have other other great podcasts out there. But I think what's cooler about Amanda and, and Tracy is that their willingness to say whatever is on their mind and whatever they feel and like there is, come, there's no couch of anything their their significant others also are major players in the uh, Star Wars world and so their perspective I'll tell you why it's so interesting too to me because uh, Jason and Randy come at it from this very traditional kind of fanboy perspective uh-huh. Where we've all experienced it. Like, they're kind of like the every man, if you want to call it that, of the Star Wars fandom who love the prequels and the original trilogy and love everything about Star Wars. Yeah, they're just pro right. Star Wars guys. Yeah, and Tracy and Amanda kind of come from the, um, like, we weren't born into this perspective. We uh, we adopted it, you know, on the fly. Like, we, we found the things that we loved. And we got attached to them, not because someone brought it to us, but because we found it, you know? It's kind of cool that it brought them together. Like, yeah, yeah no, but it's neat that it it brings people of multiple perspectives and from multiple backgrounds together. People discover it at different points in their lives and that it can make, a, you know, two different couples where both pairs are significant players in the Star Wars community is kind of, kind of cool. I love that idea of, like, that people kind of come together 
because of this mutual love for whether it be Star Wars or whatever it is, World of Warcraft or anything like that. Uh, it happens all the time, but also Amanda and Tracy have kind of like, I guess you, you would call it a cynical perspective on some things that the guys don't even discuss. And I, I, I've always rather enjoyed the, um, you know, behind the scenes kind of talk about things that, no, this podcasting rarely touches on. They used to kind of in the early days, they used to discuss it now. I think they become very protective because of their sources. Uh-huh. And so you actually get, on Rebel Girl, you get a kind of almost like a behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. Which is really interesting to me because I'm always like, and also they're very bright. Uh, and their discussions about the deeper meaning behind Star Wars is sometimes even more interesting than Star Wars. At some point, the way technology, especially in military you know, capacity, evolves, if all you have advancing is Death Stars or or our equivalent, you know, nukes or or yeah. just things things that are going to be massive, ecosystem altering or destroying events, you know, what's the incentive of using that? Like there there is no further development past that because once you right. destroy everything, there's no more development. Like it's got to it's got to kind of stagnate at some yeah, point you, just for usually, survival. Like what happens is you have superpowers who build up superpower weapons, and then they focus most of the technology on these weapons they will never use because it's the mutually you know, we, assured destruction yeah we need to scare you as much as you scare us and then we'll never fight and but you know the soviet union and the united states never fought they fought in proxy ways but they never directly faced each other uh and the same reason why china and the united states and russia will never fight in a war because they can't afford to they're too tied together financially now we do this in the real world and they probably do this in star wars world which is you know and you see it in clone wars actually we'll get to clone wars because this is a good segue into clone wars universe because my biggest problem after watching clone wars is something that somebody brought up to me years ago about the problem with the uh with the prequels which is where they get all this money <laughs> to fight this war without noticing that somebody was taking it and you know they have master siphon has ordered this clone army well how was he paying for it okay he was siphoning money wouldn't that be the priority investigation by the jedi council to find out how he did it why is that in season six or five whichever season it is why is the investigation of siphon is in season five or six or whenever it happens in the clone wars that's my biggest problem right now with that story well and i think that one does take place later because of it crosses in with the uh with the yoda arc mm -hmm. directly because so so much of the clone wars too takes place not in the order that it aired which but where is, is it in the timeline though because i think it's towards the end because saying, he, he figures out that he, he, he gets a glimpse yeah, at city you know because ahsoka leaves uh, yeah it's close to ahsoka so it's late. So to me, like if they were like, oh, this actually happened in season one, but you know, we never sense. covered it. It would make a lot more sense because they should have investigated this a long time ago. He should not be looking for Sifo Dias in season six. You know, he meets Sifo Dias in season six in his little vision quest or whatever. Right. Um, but they should have had the investigation occur earlier. Almost immediately. In fact, uh, and this is something, this is actually why I wanted to talk about this. This is why I wanted to do a podcast about it why it's going to be murder to edit this podcast um <laughs> is that to me it devalues the prequels to me like i think the first i think the clone wars are so much better than attack of the clones or yeah. revenge of the sith like to me 
And I am not a fan of animation. I do not seek it out. I don't... I'm one of these people who's almost like... In the past, I would have been like, Eh, it's not canon. It's animation. I don't care. Uh, but now that they've made this stuff canon, I have to accept that it's canon. And one of the other reasons I started watching it. I watch it, and I've heard some varying opinions now, having watched... Because I decided I'm not going to look up what people thought of the individual seasons before watching uh -huh. them. So I watched all of it, and then I started looking up, like, what do people think? And people will say things like, uh, you know, if you don't like season one, you know, maybe skip to season five. And, you know, and I, I would say, yes, I think season five is a solid season. I think it's uh, probably really the best well season. Uh, well, I mean, you could argue that. I, I don't agree, but I think it's, I think it's uh, the most consistent writing. I actually think season one is the best. And huh. one of the reasons for that is because they deliver so much, like, big scale early. Why wasn't Attack of the Clones this big? Like, we should have cared about the clones in Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's why I like the show as much as I do. Like, it makes Anakin's motivation in, Attack, in, in Revenge of the Sith... And it makes yeah. it makes the the scene when the when the clones turn on on their Jedi in in, uh, in the Order sixty six scene in Revenge of the Sith, it makes it so much more meaningful. Like I enjoy that movie on its own, but with the context of you know provided seeing Rex and Cody and their and how much they cared about them and how much they were brothers with their their Jedi commanders, like it's just it it makes it a heartbreaking scene, and especially especially after the Lost series arc with uh with the chip i feel like it's such a crazy idea that this kid's show on cartoon network you know had had a manchurian candidate story <laughs> you know like with but that, that's also like when, when you mention that and this is something that i've heard and this is again why i wanted to do this podcast because i have such a different uh perspective on that where everyone has said what you said they all say like look it makes that scene in, you know, Revenge of the Sith so much uh, more meaningful and all that. It does the opposite for me. It makes the, that stuff, like Order 66, mean less to me now. Because I know that was created without any of that stuff in mind. And it's basically, it's a retro con. It's the best retcon yet. You know, people complain about retcons. Clone Wars is the, the is how you do a retcon. That's the best way you do a retcon, where you go back and you make it fit into the timeline so that it has more meaning. But I know that Lucas didn't write it. With, he, he didn't put that much thought into those scenes where he was like, and then this Jedi and uh, these clones used to be friends. Fuck that. He didn't do any of that stuff. How, I, I, I know I think, it. As a I, writer, I, I know it. I think you're absolutely right, but I do feel like he had the idea that a, that a, that a, a switch was flipped from the beginning because right before the order is given... Cody gives Obi Wan his lightsaber back. If they, if they're, there should be more conflict though. There should be more conflict with like they 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 accept the order without question. There's no conflict between those guys in the Clone Wars. We know that there is some conflict, and and and, and in Kanan, you actually see the flip. Oh no, and which it's I think so... is why that comic book is so great. It's the best oh, yeah. Star Wars comic book to date. The, the, the conclusion of that first arc, where Gray and I oh, love. Oh, well, let's not spoil it because people have not. Uh, read oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. But but they they, they show multiple, uh, 
multiple interpretations, I think, yeah. amongst clones. Clones react differently to it, even, even when it functions properly. Even when it functions properly. Yes, and that's what I... Oh, dude. That's why... I mean, Kanan... Uh, again, I, I abandoned comic books years ago. I stopped reading them. Uh -huh. Kanan is, like, everything that I ever loved about comic books and storytelling. I'm all about the storytelling. So, I don't... Like, execution is secondary to me to the story, like, how much thought you put into it. Uh, it's actually why, to me, Rebels is superior to Clone Wars, because I can feel how much effort is put into Rebels telling that story. Uh, I feel at times Clone Wars thins out a little bit in storytelling, where but they also have more episodes. I'm sure it'll happen eventually to Rebels. I'm just going by Rebels Season 1 and the first, you know, the movie of Season 2. But uh, you can kind of feel when the writer is putting all their heart into a story like it's there's something there's something in the atmosphere when you see it and you see it at points in season five of clone wars and season one like rookies i think is such a great episode from season one well and it, it, and i think part of that is like i watch it with a I, I usually watch it at least the first season like usually at midnight uh my time when it would kick on yeah uh on on demand a week ahead of time and uh, on on the Watch XD app, and then I'd watch it the day it aired with my with my family with my yeah, uh, and my... I and I really enough I do that now too, where I watch the app, you know, I watch it a week ahead of time, and I never again. You have to understand, I'm watching cartoons, man. I do not watch. I didn't watch cartoons for twenty years. No, and so... as as, a, as someone who works in comics and was worked as a nanny, I I, I do watch cartoons. <laughs> so like that's but not saying, that's like, not as revolutionary for me. But I appreciate. I appreciate. This is not a big, like, uh, I mean, cartoons or animation or anything like that for about 20 years meant nothing to me. Like, and it's not because I don't appreciate what people do. Like, I look at art and I think it's great. But it just, I never connected with something that wasn't, at least in a live action environment. And now all of a sudden, I am more invested in the animated series, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels, than I am now in the prequels. And it happened just suddenly. Like I, the before this, before this past month, the prequels were more, far more important to me than Clone Wars and Rebels. And then now, that's not the case. Now I almost don't even care that much about the prequels. So I, see, I, I, I find that interesting because for for me, I don't know, I, it, yeah, like you said, was just kind of the opposite response. It's yeah, it, it, yeah, it just enhances it for me when I when I do rewatch them with my my uh, niece and nephew. They they love it and I feel like they make connections to the prequels and I I don't know it's uh like, like Morpheus said in one of the Matrix movies I do not require other people to love the things I love for me to love them and so I I don't really experience like I see when people feel joy in something and I appreciate that but I I never I don't absorb their joy as part of mine so I like. I'm interested in what's happening. Like, I appreciate when people say, like, how much that enhanced the prequels for them. But that's why I felt like, oh, I definitely had a very unique experience. No, absolutely. I find that I find that interesting that it devalued them by... Yeah. by... To the point now, I can't even really watch them. Like, I was just doing a marathon of... Uh, because I watched The Clone Wars. And oh, I, I was in season six. And so somebody suggested that I watch Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, then finish Clone Wars then watch Revenge of the Sith, then watch Rebels, then New Hope, 
and you know that way. Just do it all in order. I don't. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that. I did it, but that was only in season six, so I only watched season six like that of Clone Wars, and it was interesting experience. But after I did it, I was like, you know what, I, I have lost all feelings for the prequels. Like not like, like where I sit there and I go, oh, they suck. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like I. I feel kind of like there's so much more of value in the Clone Wars, and in Rebels that everything before during and after it leading up to the original trilogy just i don't know man i i, I feel like i just don't want to return to them anymore like i know attack of the clones is my least favorite movie but i know it better i can quote attack of the clones better than any movie uh and i'll give you uh, an idea of how much of a fan i am of star wars we had a power outage here uh several years ago where we lost power power for days and my brother and i this is um maybe 10 years ago my brother and I, um, like I say, I can think like, oh, it was a couple of years ago. And then I think about it now. I'm so old that 10 years ago was a couple of years ago. And we sat here and just went like, okay, open and crawl. And we talked out the prequels and the original trilogy scene by scene and did lines from it during that power outage. And I, that's how well we know those movies. We can quote the crawl. We can quote the lines from every scene. It's insane. And Attack of the Clones is the one we know the best because I think it was like we they either the DVD came out either sooner than I I feel like the Phantom Menace DVD came out late and the Attack of the Clones one came out much earlier than the Phantom Menace one so we just watched it more and there was such an excitement leading up to Revenge of the Sith because people were like oh but it's gonna get dark and you know we we just had a great deal of excitement about Revenge of the Sith and so I watched a lot of Attack of the Clones so it's I think it's part of why I know the line so well but now I'm just like nah don't need to do that and just now having done it I said yeah I think I'm done I that, think I don't want to watch these anymore I, I finally after all these years after more than 10 years it's not that I don't think they're good movies or anything like that I'm just not I no longer feel anything for these characters as presented on the screen by the live action no, and that's interesting too. Like Jesse uh, Shop has has mentioned that he feels like uh, for him when he envisions any of those characters at that age, at least when he thinks of Anakin or Obi Wan, he thinks of the Clone Wars versions first. Oh, because the Anakin in the Clone Wars is so much better. I mean, he, so much more interesting. No, he is. He, he's he's uh, like it informed and, and Obi Wan even even uh, as much as I love you, McGregor's Obi Wan, he can't touch. The Clone Wars over. And it's, and it's because of the material provided, I think. For, for specifically in the case of, of uh, Clone Wars Obi-Wan, nothing against James Arnold Taylor because I think he does a great job. He does. But, but I think that it's because, you know, had Lucas provided uh, Ewan McGregor with the depth and the range and the amount of material, like, like that's, that's what occurred to me. And I get why it supplants them or replaces them sort of in some ways, be, yeah. the, the prequels, because it occurred to me, like, there, there's never going to be someone who voices Anakin more than Matt Lanter. Like, no. like, 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 they're not going to. Uh, maybe one day they'll have a Vader fucking cartoon show, but until that day comes, that's that's it. Because, like, th- th- how many hours have have we seen Obi Wan have know. adventures as this these guys? And, and they, the they are their versions. It's know? kind of unfair to make that comparison between like what Hayden did and what Ewan did and all. But I don't care. I know it's unfair, <laughs> but it's too bad. Like, that's how I feel about it. Like, too bad. I don't have to be fair. There's nothing There's nothing in the rule book of fandoms is that you have to be fair about this. The thing you that- guys weren't fair for 16 years about midichlorians. I don't have to be fair <laughs> about, you know. So, 
no, uh, that's how I feel, and the prequels are dead to me. And <laughs> now, not the prequel storyline, not the era or anything like that. I don't mean like that. Just I the actual films. The films are dead to me. Oh well, I'll always watch Phantom Menace because I love Jar Jar. I uh, I know that's the unpopular opinion. See, for me, there's something Jar Jar. in each of them. That... I, by the way, I hate Jar Jar in the Clone Wars. He is the worst character in the history of mankind in the Clone Wars. It, and every episode with Jar Jar in it, I want to delete from the Clone Wars. But in the movie, like Jar Jar. I, li I like his arc at the end with, with Mace Windu. Hate it. <laughs> every scene with Jar Jar. They made him more annoying. How oh, no, they did make him that? more. They did make him more annoying. They, they made did... him stupid. They turned up everything to eleven. Oh, why did they do that? I don't. Oh, never mind. I don't want. I don't want to get into George or bashing. No, no, no I get it. Enough of it. For, for for me, I feel like each one of those films has something that that I will will make me want to come back to them. I think that we'll see how I feel in a year. The, the like, pod racing scene. I oh, I, I just remember having scene. such a blast. That. Plus, Extend that scene 20 more minutes, George. I love the even in the theater. Every time I, I saw it in 37 times in the theater. Okay, I understand how many times that is. How much money I was. Oh with. yeah, no and, that uh, that one and that uh, and when Dula Fates kicks in, like like oh, I just so every everyone in my age range that I knew, it's like all we did for. But I was in weeks my like I was summer. in my 20s when that movie came out. You know, so like. The, the experience I had, a lot of it's tied to my friends going to see with my friends. Yeah. Obviously, I understand that because I remember when I saw uh, the one that I have the mo the best memory of because I was, you know, I, I already had, like, I have clear memories of seeing Return of the Jedi in 1983. So I don't have as clear of a memory of seeing A New Hope in 1978 because I was in Iceland at the time. So we, we didn't get it until July 9th, 1978. And uh, but I remember my grandfather taking me and my friends to see it. And I don't remember, like, actually seeing the movie. It's weird, that memory. But I know that coming out of it, I was changed for life, you know, that kind of thing. So Phantom Menace has a very similar in my 20s kind of experience where it was something new and it was something exciting. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. My friends and all that stuff. So a lot of my memories of Phantom Menace are tied to my friends, like how we felt and how much fun we had. It's these kind of uh, memories and associations. I, I think I have one one moment at least for each of those movies that makes it to where even though I, I – like it's weird because you come to a different conclusion even though I feel like I feel – similarly that mm -hmm. it, it 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 tells parts of that story better you know all the all the betrayal you know you you stack up that anakin feels that you never get in the movie in the movie i i feel like it's not that i can't relate to him but i feel like it's so much more of a of a childish reaction you know his his resentment and his hatred for the jedi but when you see you know they won't put him on the council until he they make him and they but they won't make him you know, uh, a council member or whatever. Like, Which, yeah, that's messed up. Well, I and, mean... <laughs> and l l like, I, I love it because I feel like you add on to that and it's like, oh, well, you know, you're not, you're, you failed. But you actually you don't get a to be a ma now. You don't get to be a master until your first Padawan graduates. That's and, when you go yeah. from, from knight to master. And that's why, right there, you just touched on why I can't watch the prequels now. Uh-huh. Because in the show that moment would be because they never touch on that moment in the show but in the show like the anakin we know from the show they would never do that to him in revenge of the sith in that storyline it would never happen like just from a storytelling perspective they have too much respect for him but in revenge of the sith none of that shit has happened when lucas is writing it 
No, so I feel he like doesn't have that in the back of his mind. Like if if the Clone Wars had happened before Revenge of the Sith happened, Lucas would have had all that stuff in the back of his mind as he's writing that scene and we're written it differently. But because he didn't, the scene you kind of have to fill in the blanks yourself, and you should never ask your audience to fill in the blanks. No, I, I think that it works for Anakin way better than it does for the Jedi Council. Like the only character yeah, who's consistent no other than it Anakin no is Obi Wan. Like, why would they do that? So, I feel yes, like I understand Mace. his reaction. I understand Ma his reaction. Mace yeah, always Mace. keeps him apart. So I feel like Mace, Obi-Wan, and Anakin are accurate. But Yoda especially and everyone else, it's like, why the hell are they going no. along with being so no cold? Makes no fucking sense. And so, yeah, you there had to have been a better – I don't know. The, just to set up – it works actually for me in the movie, and then I watch the Clone Wars, and I'm like, nope, doesn't work for me. I I, I can see that. For, for for me, like I just feel like Anakin's motivation was where was what was confusing to me, but no, not his day. None of it makes sense. Like his turn. That has always been a failure of storytelling by George. Uh, the turn. It is the single worst moment to me in the prequel. Not the single worst dialogue moment, which uh, obviously is right before Anakin and Padme go into the arena. In Attack of the Clones, that is the worst uh, written sequence in the history. And I, and again, George Lucas did not write that scene, and that's probably why it's so bad. When I deeply love you, oh, shut the fuck up. But um, and also, it's poorly delivered by Natalie Portman. But um, the wor like just the motivation of that entire thing of Anakin turning, is not supported by any other material before or after. His turn makes no sense. It never will make sense, and I've heard so many explanations by people trying to defend it, and I'm just like, look, you're trying to fit something in that George didn't write, and he should have written it. You should show it, as Harrison Ford always says, don't tell it, show it. No, and I think, I mean, that's, that's all the time in comics, that, you know, it's show, don't tell, same thing, and I, I think you're right. It's one of those instances, like you just described, where I have no problem with it, but I fill in the blanks, and it's, it, it is a weaker part of that story because... I have to fill in the blanks for it to fit, yeah. even before the even before the the Clone Wars made it more difficult for the yeah. Council's motivations. Yeah. Before I, I had to fill in Anakin's blanks. Because even now, now I have to do it for everyone the, else. <laughs> even with the Clone Wars, uh, you know, nothing in the Clone Wars tells me why he turns, uh, and I don't think it should have to. I'm just saying, like, there's nothing. It added nothing to that turn. See, I, I feel quick. like it doesn't explain the motivation away because of all the awkwardness with the way it was written and the way it's constructed in in mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith. But I do feel like you see all these hints of his quickness to 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 abandon the shit he's been taught when when I think they try to tie Ahsoka's decision into that a little bit too. I think that was why they brought Ahsoka why they had Ahsoka walk away. Yeah. To show that uh, a Jedi can't be pushed. Like somebody who was so dedicated because Ahsoka was so dedicated and we haven't even talked about Ahsoka yet, but Ahsoka was so dedicated to the Jedi. She was such an idealistic Jedi. And never really failed in her uh, idealistic uh, view of what Jedi should be. And in fact, was probably more so than any Jedi ever. Like, she was so much about, like, hey, we have to do the right thing, you know? And like uh, any kid probably would who would be in her situation. No, and yeah, no, I feel like, for me, the most effective Jedi of all times probably Qui-Gon. And but I feel like she's way more true to the ideal than he is. Like yeah. she's more just dead on. Well, he's more cynical at that point. You know? Yeah, she he's isn't he's doing yet. he's doing whatever he has to do to get things done, like all the Jedi's do. Yeah. He just has, I think, less bureaucratic 
intentions. Yeah, <laughs> so he's like, like a hippie. He's like a hippie yeah. Jedi. But and people will say that like cynically, oh, he's a hippie Jedi. But actually, his way of doing things was the right way. When it's, they, I feel like it influences every every positive thing that Obi Wan and Yoda try to do in the in the original trilogy is influenced by that, and they they make that explicit in in that moment in in Revenge of the Sith, but they double down on it in in Clone Wars. You know yeah. that he he taught them how to be better, how to be good Jedi. <laughs> they 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 lost they lost their way. It's not that. And so all all these stories really. Are very interesting, very legitimate. When people uh, crap on the prequels, I think they're they're crapping on execution. I challenge people to tell me what like that red whatever the hell it was called that did that like why the prequels suck video. You know? Oh yeah, they're wrong. They're wrong. I mean, I know it's just opinions, but the fact that people sit there and go, oh, this is a story. No, the story is not the problem. None of the story, even the dialogue issues well, and at times. The arguments are nonsensical. I think it was, it, no, I, it, it was something. Because he's 16 years old and he has no fucking clue what he's talking about it, when he makes his video. That's why. There was something about it, in, maybe from him, but it was along those lines when uh, they first announced that J.J. was coming on. And it's like, first off, you know, Star Wars is, is, is for kids. So don't make it super boring with, with politi- political stuff. Don't tell how to stuff. make movies. <laughs> you know, you know, if, if Star Wars is for kids, you, know, you can't include any boring political bureaucracy bureaucratic stuff and then also star wars isn't for kids get rid of all the kid stuff like jar jar like what the hell like like ewoks and jar jar are stupid it's like okay so you don't want boring stuff because it's for kids but you don't want kid stuff because it's not for kids it's like it's not for anyone it's not a critical thinker he's not a critical (laughs) thinker and you can see that in the other things he's done he's just an angry guy who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room like most narcissists he thinks he's a lot smarter than he really is and he isn't and people, you know, like borderline personalities gravitate towards them. And borderline personalities are the people who are most likely to become angry about nothing. And that's <laughs> and to me, the prequel haters mostly come down to this. Narcissists who think they're smarter than they are, who have misread what is happening in the prequels. And because they think they're the smartest people in the room when they're not, when they're just like maybe average intellect, uh, they scream the loudest. And then all the borderline personalities gravitate toward that because they love that shit and they feed on it and i say this as a loser myself uh they are losers people who have lost at life in many ways and just don't know how to deal with that and so they rage against everyone and everything and so the people you've been listening to for all these years and like who have a similar opinion to you and you've been like yeah man let's champion that red letter media whatever the hell his name is uh let's champion this narcissistic idiot who doesn't even understand what he's saying and you've been championing his bullshit for years just because he said something loudly and he said it emphatically and he inspired you because you're a loser and i'm not saying your opinion isn't valid i'm just saying you're championing the wrong people you should be championing people who, have, who make sound arguments because then at least we can have a real discussion about what makes a good movie. Because I guarantee you, J.J. is not sitting around listening to Simon Pegg's rant. He's listening to what Simon Pegg's ideas are, not his rants. Because at least I hate what Simon Pegg did in space. And I hate some of the things that he has said about the prequels. But at least Simon Pegg is, has made some good shit. He's at yeah. least somebody who knows how to make movies. I just think that right now for some types of men, I don't think that a lot of the men who rage against it i think they're just losers and I, again i say that affectionately i am a loser myself i just am a loser who learned how to deal with my problems um is that when you're a loser when you're a failure in life 
if you rage against everyone else for your failures, if you blame everyone else for it and you find ways to just rage against the imaginary machine, then you will remain a failure and a loser for your entire life because you never work on the problem that is you. Move on from the things that make you fail and turn those failures into successes. And then one of the greatest successes that you can ever achieve in life is to abandon things you hate. Yeah, abandon no. Abandon them. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of cheesiness, you know, in uh, taking philosophy from, from Star Wars. But if there's one thing that I that I would agree with, you know, is that hate is kind of pointless. Like, I don't... I, in the I, moment, it's, it's really good to use hate for a very brief period of time. If you live with hate for 16 years, you got a problem. You have a personality disorder. In the news right now, as we are recording this podcast, uh, on the Jedi Council and the Collider, uh, Collider's Jedi Council, they were talking about that, that they had heard from a reliable source, or one of them had heard that there was going to be a post... Uh, credit teaser for Rogue One at the end of The Force Awakens. It makes no sense. I'm just going to tackle that right now that they would ever do that. Uh, one of the best reasons for not doing it is because Rogue One has nothing to do with The Force Awakens and they were basing this on the, the fact that Marvel had done this with their movies, but at least every one of those te that teaser or whatever you want to call it applied in some respect to the following movie or a future yeah, and, movie. Yeah, and the movie that had just taken place. Like, like, yeah. like, like, like it, how would they have a teaser for something that took place before episode before it makes no a sense. new hope? Yeah, and I think that the problem is what they actually then describe isn't a teaser at all. They're like it'll be just a clip and or a trailer or teaser trailer for the film. That's just like at the end of uh, Back to the Future Two, there was a little sizzle reel for Back to the Future yeah. Three. Right but before that was about the, right. a movie that applies to that other movie. This that's also true. It, even even if they did it, like I don't think that's the same thing as what Marvel does. It's not no, the same thing as a post credit sequence. It's just tagging on a trailer afterward. And you know why is, they won't do it? You know, I, I heard some arguments. People were saying like, oh, they're they say, oh, they're not going to do it. Well, this was the reasoned argument. I actually think this is a reasonable argument. They're not going to do it because of tradition. And because it was never done before and all that. And people said, no, that's ridiculous. They don't care about tradition. And I would say this. Uh, yes, Lucasfilm very much cares about tradition. Disney may not, but Lucas Disney doesn't run Lucasfilm with an iron fist. I don't know why people believe they do. They haven't done it with Pixar. They haven't done it with Marvel. Why would they do it with Lucasfilm? You know, I've noticed that as well. People keep referring to Disney's decisions and Disney's going to do this. They're not the, – the place they're most heavily involved – the thing that Iger yeah. keeps talking about is fucking theme parks because it's what they own. I'm telling they, you that, they, that people they, don't know what they're talking about. Like you're about. absolutely right that I mean, I mean they're absolutely right that Iger has the final say. You know, like what Ron was saying before, and I think when you guys were talking about it, you know, you ended up in uh, on the same page where you know clearly JJ is not going to defy Iger, but Iger's also not going to try and tie his hands or do something he doesn't want to do. But Iger like, also the, wants to work with JJ again. And right. here's, the th here's what's important. This is what these people don't think about. And I respect Ron. I really do. Like, I think Ron's a great guy. So that argument that we got into, like, hey, whatever. Like, I, I understand well, where I, I saw where, from. I, yeah, I saw where both of you guys were coming from, and you guys seemed to settle it at, yeah. at a place of reasonability. But, the, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say to Ron is this. They begged JJ to come work for them. Okay, if JJ wasn't interviewed, he was begged. And JJ said, fine, but here are my conditions. I make the calls on when footage is shown. That's the that's why you haven't seen the trailer yet. That's why you didn't see any trailer used to promote uh, Force Friday. 
because JJ's in control. Iger, if Iger had his way, that would have happened. Which so, makes I almost feel like that was a misstep on his part that he has to regret because of the 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 talking toys and voice changers with with pre recorded stuff. I think some of that dialogue is maybe all of it is not making it into the, into the movie. That's possible, but some of it. I think some it of it may, some of some of it coincides, but I feel yeah. like there's a chance that these are that, that, that a good chunk of them make it into the film. I think it's very likely that some of the stuff that you or most of what you heard is not even in the movie. So you know, JJ, I think the future movies, Rogue One, uh, Episode Eight, Episode Nine, the Han Solo movie, all that shit, you're gonna see a lot more footage uh, going down the line. JJ just has, JJ gets what he wants, and JJ don't want no fucking Rogue One teaser at the end of his movie. And I was saying, it's not just because of Lucasfilm tradition. It's actually because once you put a teaser at the end of your movie, it's there forever. You know, it's part of the movie now. And that's how the movie will be remembered. And there's no way that they're gonna do that. It's just not gonna happen. I feel like if they did that, it would be something they added on at a later or or later on if if it stays in theaters for a while you know i could see them doing that oh maybe at the end of the end of the the run of the theaters they might do it at the end of the imax run yeah in fact i think that's very possible i think yeah that seems plausible to me yeah they they say final week of the imax run because they're running for an entire month i think that's when they'll do it i think they'll be like oh come see the preview for Rogue One, which will then be put online anyway, because they know. Yeah, the day the day it comes out, they'll put it online as well. Because oh, they, the they, second, and that's they I, have think, to. I think that's what's going to happen. There's a theory out there that is Jason Ward has said that he thinks it might come out right before the pre-sale of the tickets for the movie. That and makes sense. It, I heard someone suggest that for the European uh, pre-sale is going to start the day the day before, yeah. but that would probably be when it when it would hit. So I think, uh, but I'm going to attribute that to Jason. Jason, uh, at least I heard say this on a gaming stream that he was doing for, I think for Infinity. I heard uh, someone else say it on Twitter, but I'm but knowing who they maybe, are, yeah. it's probably someone who heard Jason say it. <laughs> so I think I'm going to attribute this to Jason Ward. Uh, and he would probably also say he's not getting this as like inside information. It's just something that he believes based on what people have said to him along the way. Uh, that And it's the one that makes the most sense to me that right before pre-sales, uh, I could see JJ because JJ wants people to go see his movie. He wants to use footage to promote his movie. And so I could see that. I could see a full trailer, and I think we will only get one trailer. Thank you, Jared. You're very welcome. It was good to be good to yeah. talk out some of this stuff. Uh, it's nice to hear. You you were right that it was a very different perspective on the Clone Wars, oh. even though we have some similar feelings. We come to a very different conclusion. That's it. Was interesting that's why to I really hear. wanted. That's why I really wanted Katie on here. It's too bad she's not on here. And also, I've heard Johnny's kind of take on the Clone Wars. I think it would have been interesting. So maybe if we do an episode two. Maybe we'll be able to get them kind of in here. We'll, we won't rehash this too much because I think by the time we do episode two, there will be a trailer. So maybe we'll do it for that. No, that'd uh, be fun. I, w- I would definitely be down to do it again. And, and uh, it would be great to have Katie and Johnny on to hear some other passionate perspectives yeah. from people who and maybe know, some other know people. their Star Wars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're, uh, we're always willing to have anyone else on who wants to be on. And uh, and this may either be the one time we do this, or we may do this regularly. Look, we have 40 years worth of movies coming. 
and TV shows. So I'm sure and, we and have tell it's not profitable. So 40, 42 <laughs> infinite years ahead yes. of us. So we, oh no, Star Wars is going to go on forever. And uh, I will live and die with Star Wars. Like I was born into it and I will die with it. I have no doubt about that. Uh, and uh, and also, we have one advantage over every other Star Wars podcast. None of them are named the greatest Star Wars podcast in the world. That's true. And I'll have to make a I'll have to make a banner with like the uh, the, great, <laughs> the greatest event in television history. I don't know if you've ever seen that Adult Swim short. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be equal, equally uh, misnomered. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like just the greatest ever, you know. And just like wow, this. If you say it, it must be true. You know, Michael Jackson said he was the king of pop, and people were just like, uh, I guess we he's got, the king of pop. Yeah, we, got, we got to accept it. <laughs> what do they call Howard Stern, the king of old media? Why did he do that? Because he was making fun of king, uh, king of pop. He, was, he just said, well, fine, I'm the king of old media. Now he's referred to as the king of old yeah, media. Yeah, the, the nickname actually stuck. <laughs> yeah. So we're the greatest Star Wars podcast in the world. <laughs>